0: Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast. Hey, I'm so glad you tracked us down. I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, we've had professional athletes on in the past. Of course, Nate Kuhorn, longtime Edmonton Eskimo, and John Chick, two time Grey Cup champion, longtime Saskatchewan Rough Rider, and probably arguably one of the greatest defensive football players we've ever seen in the Canadian Football League. But this is the first time we've had a former professional hockey player on the podcast and uh, being that the podcast is from Canada you've probably asked why is it taken so long well I assure you the the wait was worth it because Trent Klatt has so many great insights on faith on and off the ice and his insights towards coaching and mentorship but also uh, his love of his family and his faith very inspirational so really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you in just a minute. I was reading a little bit about the life of St. John Bosco recently and a quote came up that uh, was really inspirational to me. And uh, here's how it goes. He says, quote, all past persecutors of the church are now no more, but the church still lives on. The same fate awaits modern persecutors. They too will pass on, but the church of Jesus Christ will always remain. End quote from St. John Bosco. And we're seeing some real diabolical ideologies today, especially geared towards our youth and our young people, particularly gender ideology. And in Canada, and particularly Alberta, we're seeing an attack against parental rights. And for us as parents, God has given us a sacred responsibility to raise our children in the faith and to be virtuous citizens, not only of earth, but also the kingdom of heaven. That's where, that's where we're aiming for, it, and that's where we're taking our children towards, Right. On the road to eternal life on the way to eternity and that's the most important thing that we could possibly do and anything that the state does to keep secrets away from parents and to keep information away from parents we know that that is not coming from God that is coming from the evil one so remember children belong to their parents not the state and we need to continue to pray for uh, the intercession of the Saints particularly The intercession of St. John Bosco, who I know is interceding for us at the throne of God right now. No one did more for children, particularly in his day, but even in recent memory, than St. John Bosco, starting an oratory to give an education for poor children, particularly boys, and teaching them skilled trades. And I didn't even realize even today, the order that he founded, the Salesians, there's over 14,000 priests that belong to that order today. Uh, What a beautiful legacy of faith. So many great fruits that St. John Bosco's life has left us and we are benefiting from in the church today on our journey towards heaven. So one of the things us dads can do is be true beacons of light to our children and to our wives and to be really family oriented. That's the way God wants it to be. That's our vocation in life is to be men of God, taking care of our families and leading them onwards towards heaven. And Trent Klatt has a lot of great insights talking about his life, his family life, his professional life, but also his journey towards Jesus Christ. You're going to really enjoy this chat. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Well, Trent Klatt is a retired professional hockey player who played in the NHL for 14 seasons with the Minnesota North Stars, the Dallas Stars, Philadelphia Flyers. Vancouver Canucks, and last but least in the eyes of Oilers fans, L.A. Kings, and amassed 782 regular season games, 74 playoff games, so it's a great career, and continues to be involved in hockey in various roles since his retirement from the NHL in 2004. But most important of all, Trent is a family man, he is a husband to one, a father to five, and he is our brother in Christ. So welcome Trent Clatt to the Catholic Canuck Podcast.
1: Hey David, how are you? Thanks for uh, inviting me and having me on your show. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, you're very welcome. It's an honor to talk to you, Trent. And, and a shout out to your wife, Kelly, who put us in touch. So thank you very much, Kelly. We really appreciate that. This has been uh, it was great chatting with you offline about a week ago and uh, great to have you here, Trent. So, you know, I always yeah. like to ask our American guests if they've ever visited Canada and if they're hockey fans. So I guess we could probably waive that question for you, <laughs> given your profession and how much time you've... Spent in Canada and playing hockey, but one of the running sort of chuckles that we have on the podcast is uh, the uncanny ability of our guests to have a connection of some sort to Saskatchewan. So you're a Minnesota guy and never pr- played any pro or junior in Saskatchewan, but I had to laugh when I stumbled upon your uh, the one appearance that you had uh, as a in, as a junior age player for Team USA at the World Junior Hockey Championships in 1991. And the location of that tournament was in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I think they might have split that with maybe another city, but it was in Saskatchewan. So big tournament for hockey fans around the world. Uh, what are some of your memories of playing in that particular tournament? And you had a really good one too, statistically as well. So, uh, But you're in Saskatchewan. I'm sure the weather was something else and uh, probably a great experience for you though.
1: Uh, it, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, it's a little. it was a little different then than it, than it is now. And you mentioned that they held it in a different city um, nowadays it's, it's held in two, but at, at that particular time, uh, we played games in Prince Albert. We played a game in Regina. We played a game in North Battleford, um, and then games, uh, of course in Saskatoon. So, uh, the one thing I do remember is it was about as cold as it is right now <laughs> as we're recording this, uh, very cold. And, uh, it was just a great, uh. Uh, my first real experience with hockey in Canada, to be honest with you, and it was uh, it was incredible.
0: And the team just missed the medals too. That would have been probably a real nice a uh, memory to have a medal as well, but uh, just missed out. But there were some real great players, and too i I was looking at the list there with Canada. There was uh, Eric Lindros uh, uh, with Russia. I guess they were the probably the Soviet Union at the time. That was uh, yeah. Pavel Bure, which a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of our fans, especially our. Canuck fans would uh, know for sure and even you played with someone named Doug Waite who is a big uh, name with the Oilers fans here in Edmonton he spent a lot of great years here as well so so yeah a lot of great players that you played with there too and it must have been kind of neat to see them you know you're playing with them as, as a young kid at the time and then seeing them come through the NHL I'm sure you played with them and probably against them a lot as well in the NHL
1: yeah you know i it, it it was incredible because there was names that you'd heard of, and oh my gosh, I'm playing with this guy, and I'm playing against that guy, and who's Pablo Bure? who's that guy? He's unbelievable, you know um you know it was my first kind of real experience outside of minnesota and, and you know um Minnesota's sheltered to a certain extent, I mean, uh, growing up in a kid as a kid you really follow you know, professional hockey all that much because there weren't many Minnesotans that played in the NHL, to be honest with you. Um, and when the U.S. Olympic team won in 1980, Neil Broughton and, and those guys made it, it kind of, oh my gosh, there is hockey outside of Minnesota. So it, it was still young in those days of, of what do I want to say, the experience outside this little bubble that we live in, in, in the state of Minnesota. And, and it was just a world that I was just almost all existed right
0: so minnesota born and raised right trent that's where you spent uh, most if not all of your youth and uh, even playing into uh, into your early 20s uh, what age did you think maybe i can play hockey for a living and even that dream of playing in the nhl when did that kind of become apparent to you and, and something that hey this this might actually happen
1: well, oh, you know, it's interesting you ask that. I was just talking to somebody else about this the other day, you know, and again, you know, the Minnesota kid for many, many, many years was, you know, kind of sheltered. As a kid growing up, all I wanted to do was play at the University of Minnesota. Um, that's what hockey was. That was to the extent that I understood it. I remember getting letters in the mail from the Prince Albert Raiders and the Seattle Thunderbirds and I can remember sh- you know showing them to my mom and dad I had no idea what those teams were affiliated with where they were located what league they were in I had no idea so to answer your question I, I all I wanted to do was play hockey at the University of Minnesota and it wasn't until I got there maybe that world junior experience you know where I thought wait a minute Maybe this is an option where I can play after. And I know some, I've told this story before, and some people kind of look and they go, really? Are you, are you living under that big of a, of a rug? And I don't know, maybe I was, but it, just, it, it wasn't until I was probably 17, 18 years old, 19 years old, before I actually really thought maybe that was a chance.
0: Well, maybe it showcased the purity of your intentions too, of just really enjoying the game that you played, right? And and wanting to stay local and playing at a, at the university and uh, in your home state. So, um, and beyond, uh, you know, beyond the horizons of what you had set out for yourself as a as a youngster. But I think that's not a not a bad thing either. Maybe maybe we could all use a little perspective like that when it comes to the, the dreams of playing in the NHL. And I know a lot of parents, you know, they spend a lot of a lot of money and a lot of time uh, playing at high levels. But I wanted to ask your thoughts too, on kids playing sports outside of hockey. You know, it just seems like, uh, and I'm, I'm sure this is like this for other sports too, baseball, football, basketball, but hockey is really turning into a real year round sport, even for young kids, like, you know, under 10 sort of thing. Right. Uh, yep. so they play hockey all summer long to the exclusion of other sports. And it, uh, never used to be like this. You know, there's several uh, hockey players, for example, that, uh, they were very good at lacrosse, uh, yep. especially in Ontario and BC, and, and they'd always play. They call it box lacrosse or even outdoor lacrosse in the summertime. But uh, yep. yeah, what are your thoughts on just uh, having a love for other sports and playing other sports, and how that might actually help them to be better hockey players?
1: Well, um, that's a question that I could prob- probably spend an hour answering just in itself because I'm such oh, I'm so old school. For one on that, uh, and I'm not afraid to uh, speak about it because I just think it's absolutely imperative for kids to play other sports. Um, you know, you get the argument from parents that, you know, uh, my kid loves the game of hockey and, and he wants to play and all that. And, and I just, you know, we all love to sit back door on the power play, tickle the Raptors and shoot one-timers, right? But I, you know, I, I tell mom and dad, I said, you know, like if you got a pitcher playing baseball, and I know it's more prevalent in the United States than it is in Canada, but if you've got a kid throwing 80 mile an 80-mile-an-hour fastball and he's got a curveball that moves a little bit, that he throws 70 miles an hour, you don't think for a second that you're working on your hand-eye coordination playing baseball uh, that doesn't assimilate itself to shooting a one-timer on the rink. Um, I, you just can't tell me that that doesn't help. Um, uh, you know, you play the game of football. Um, I know that football is popular in Canada as well. I mean, who wins in football? Low man wins. And uh, you know what? You go into corners, you go into the battle, you go in front of the net. A lot can be said about that low center of gravity and, and, and being off balance and, and holding your uh, your core stable and all that. So you can go right through all of the all of the different sports. Tennis is hand-eye coordination. Golf is hand-eye coordination. You're trying to hit a little ball rather than a puck. I just think there's so much benefit. But the most important reason for me is, I think, the mental anguish of playing a sport the year round, and I can say that because I was a professional hockey player uh, for a few years it, it's tough. It's hard to keep your brain on all the time and having to be at an elite level. It's not easy. Um, and I just think kids, for that matter. It's one thing if you're 25, 26, you're getting paid to do it. Expectations are what they are. But as a kid, you got to turn your brain off, you got to go play different sports, you got to listen to a different coach, you got to experience different things. So um, I won't ramble anymore. I'm a huge proponent of playing other sports. Um, I have yet for someone, and I'm sure there's people out there that that would argue and would give me some reason why someone should play one sport year round at the age of 10. Uh, but I haven't heard it yet, to be honest. And I just think it's it's more mental than anything. But You know you can develop other life skills and here's another one sorry (laughs) um you know if you're the best kid on your hockey team this is one of the reasons why i love another sports too if you're the best kid on your hockey team and most of these kids are as they're growing up you know you don't you look at the game of hockey uh, through those glasses but if you play baseball and you're working on a different skill set and you're not the best player on the team um, now you're going to understand what it's like not to be the best person on the team. So you're going to appreciate the kid better. Uh, and then when you're on a team and maybe you are the best player, you're going to understand how valuable that, that, that player that's on the second line or that second pair of defense or the backup goalie. And I think you're going to be a better teammate. So very rare. Do you find athletes that play hockey that are the best, player in their hockey team and the best player in the football team and the best player in their baseball team or basketball, whatever. Um, and I just think it gives a little bit of diversity. So um, I'll leave it at that. But I'm a huge proponent of playing sports. And I know it's difficult these, this day and age too.
0: Now, you know, we talked about, uh, well, football is, yeah, it's, it's pretty big in Canada as well. I know it's a massive uh, sport in the United States, but uh, John Check, he's a retired, just a legendary Canadian Football League player. He uh, lives in Florida now. He's uh, been on our podcast a couple times, a real a great Catholic warrior for Christ. But one of the things he mentioned, Trent, uh, in his last appearance with us was how hard it was to find other brother Catholics in the Canadian Football League specifically. Now, he spent 14 seasons in the NHL, and there's a, a specific, or was there, I guess, a specific event that was kind of the catalyst in your life to take your Catholic faith a little bit more seriously while you were playing? And uh, maybe when was that decision made to be a follower of Christ and what was it like to practice your faith as a pro hockey player?
1: Well, well um, I don't know if there was uh, one dramatic event that happened. Uh, I know I've had some different experiences in my life um, where I, I don't know, I just consider them reversions or re-enlightenments or whatever, but um, I'll, never, I'll never forget and shame on my wife and I, but uh, we gave birth. To uh, or my we gave birth. My wife gave birth to our our first uh, daughter, our second child, and she was born April third of nineteen ninety seven. So I was in Philadelphia, and we were playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That was the year we uh, we lost to Detroit in mm. the Stanley Finals. Um, but it was the next fall when we got back to Philadelphia, we hadn't baptized uh, our daughter Piper because it was so hectic and I was playing and we went home for the summer and the summers get busy. I have no excuse. Uh, we just didn't do it. So we ended up moving into this neighborhood and there was a lady across the street that came down and, and of course found out that we were Catholic. And she was absolutely floored that we hadn't baptized our daughter yet. Mm -hmm. And, She had a little conversation with my wife um, about it, and it was a couple days. I mean, I tell the story. She basically grabbed each one of us by our ears and brought us right downtown Philadelphia uh, into a Latin church, Latin mass, threw us right into the confessional, and uh, and just absolutely spoke the truth to us um, about some things that we weren't. I guess, completely uh, in in line with, so to speak. So that was one experience, just, Hmm. you know, hardly knew this lady too. And she just became friends with my wife and just told us some brutal truths that we needed to hear. And so that's one of them. Um,
0: That's great. That's a powerful uh, moment of grace though, right? And I think uh, a, a lot of Catholics can learn from that. I think the Holy Spirit does give us nudges to, to be a bold witness, maybe, maybe not to that degree, but sometimes you need to be. And she recognized that your baby needed to be baptized and your, your child, right. And, and yep. how important that is in the Catholic faith. And I'm sure you look back on it. It might've been a little uncomfortable at the time, but you probably look back at it as a blessing, right?
1: Yeah. And my wife and I have grown in our faith exponentially from that time. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of times in the Catholic world that we have to meet people where they are and and we have to, you know, be nice to them and all that. And I get it. I agree with that percent. But oftentimes when it's always nice and cuddly like that, I tell my wife, I said, you know, I said, remember back to that time, Lita, you know, she came down the street and told she wasn't nice. She just came down and told us exactly the way it was. Obviously loving but she told us what we needed to hear. She didn't tell us what we wanted to hear. And uh, so every time we get in a conversation, every once in a while, I bring that up. And it's like, you know, we needed at that point in time to be hit right between the eyeballs with a two-by-four. And she did it.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot at stake, right? I mean, in the in the spiritual life and in our lives here on Earth, this journey towards eternal life, it's not easy to get there. And I think no. a lot of Catholics and uh, this whole world is forgotten about it, but as Catholics, we need to be bearing that light to other people to show them that it is a difficult road, the long and narrow road. It's not uh, it's not easy. There's going to be a lot of pebbles and big stones and thorns along the way, but we need to persevere. And we there is a, a certain way we need to live our lives, a sacramental life, in order to get to heaven, right, Trent?
1: Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. And um, you know, we don't. I, I try to tell my kids to. Family members and all that. I I don't do all this stuff because I have to. I I I I do all this. I go to church. I go to confession. I I I try to stay involved with the sacraments as much as I possibly can because I want to, because I need to, because I'm a sinner. I've got got issues like everybody else does, and I can't do this on my own. I can't. I've tried, and it's
0: boy. That's it takes an act of humility to. To say that and to to live like that, to going going to confession is an act of humility that the Lord wants from us mm-hmm. as well. When we know that we need to go there, um, you know, it's uh, the the saying at our podcast is to go to uh, to confession at least three times every year, Lent, Advent, anytime you're in a state of mortal sin. I yeah. say to people that I, I I go usually once every two or three weeks, and I'm not saying that to to say that I'm I'm a holy guy that I'm always going to confession, because I need to go to confession, yeah. and I know yeah. that uh, you know as we grow older in our uh, in our life and our, our experience in life, and we get a different perspective spiritually, we recognize that we need that grace from God in order to continue to have the, the scales uh, removed from our eyes. As St. Augustine says, you know, sin dulls the intellect and makes you stupid, right? So, yeah, yeah. and when we live a life of sin and we, uh, we stay in that state of sin, well, it can get the, the results can get pretty messy and murky and we were seeing that in the church today. It's nothing that, that hinders our evangelization efforts than than a bad example and we certainly don't want to be a bad example ourselves. Well so, you know, it sounds like the oh go ahead, Trent. Yes.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say I, I can't remember who, who coined the phrase, but sin darkens the intellect. You know? So yes, Saint Augustine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been many things that that I know I have been graced. Uh, to overcome. Um, and it's been through the sacrament of confession that God has been able to grace me with uh, the ability to handle certain things and to get out of certain habits and, and all that. So, I mean, I'm just uh, like you, I try to go as, as much as I possibly can uh, to confession. And um, I just, between that and sitting in a church and adoration, uh, those are just some tremendous things that Catholics can do.
0: That's a great point as well as having those conversations with God, maybe listening a little bit more. I know I'm guilty of this when I'm in prayer and of course, praying the rosary, if you can pray every day, that's what our lady asked from our lady of Fatima. So pray the rosary every day, other types of prayers, you know, divide mercy chaplets, so many others, but there's also a time for us to have that contemplative prayer where we need to sit and listen to Christ as well. And going to adoration or uh, just spending a holy hour in the presence of the blessed sacrament is something that uh, we should all try to do at least once a week anyways, if you can. Work with your spouse and so that maybe the two of you could do it together, or maybe you can each have some separate time to have that prayer life. But yeah, what's it like for you, Trent? I know that you your career right now is busy. You're running around a lot, just like a lot of us, our, us and our listeners that have secular jobs, there's a lot going on, uh, family life as well, but to have that time to just um, have some silence and to listen to what God has to say to us. What does that mean to you?
1: Uh, It's, it's incredible. When, when I lived in Minnesota, before I moved to Michigan, uh, we had a 24 hour Eucharistic Adoration Chapel in our church. It was um, not even two miles from our house. So I got so spoiled because, you know, I got to be home at five o'clock and it's, 425 and i can just pull in and sit there for 15 minutes and just those 15 Mm. minutes even to just turn your brain off um, and listen to god was something i became so addicted to Uh, when we Mm. moved michigan here i mean there's a lot of churches around there is that eucharistic adoration but i i I almost got like i love adoration And, and it was like my spiritual director would say you know you can go sit by the tabernacle too. Like Jesus is in there. You don't, you know, he doesn't have to be in the mountains out on the altar or, or in a a adoration chapel. And I go, I know, but I said, I just love it when he's there and it's just me and him. But, um, I just love for me, it's, it's, I have to, I have to try to do it in the morning. Um, I, I just think it's, it's, um, I wish I could say I do it every single day for an hour. I have all the intent every day to do it, but life goes by and shoot, I didn't have time to do it today, but I try to do it in the morning. I try to go sit in churches if I can. Um, And I, I I just sit and I just sit and listen and try to try to hear God's voice, talk to me, um, provide me direction as, as best I can. I know it's one of those things that, I wish, sometimes it's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do in this instance. Sometimes it's like he's not answering. Um, But, you know, it's, I just, I love it.
0: There was an analogy from a Catholic speaker of some sort, I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, even on a cloudy day, even when the sun is out, um, you know, you may not see the sun, but the effects of the sun, will be very apparent to you, especially if it's in the middle of summer and it's plus 30 outside. Sorry, I should say plus 30 Celsius, right? Of course. <laughs> plus 80 Fahrenheit. You're still going to get a sunburn, right? If you don't have any uh, suntan lotion or some sort of sunscreen on you. Uh, but yep. even in the wintertime, if you're, the, the sun is still, it, the, the the effects of the sun are still, uh, you know, they're, they can be present to us if we don't necessarily notice it right away. And it's just like that with with prayer life and, and before God, maybe sometimes that voice isn't always audible to us or we feel like there's maybe a little bit of spiritual dryness, but that doesn't mean that that the, the graces from Jesus, especially when we go to visit him in a Catholic church, that they're not coming into our, our hearts and our souls. So uh, definitely encourage people that if uh, you're kind of experiencing that that dryness, that, that you know that uh, God is working on your heart, whether you know it or not. So now, family life is something that uh, is a big part of your life, Trent, now, and you've, you've had, uh, you mentioned uh, your oldest daughter, the, the oldest, uh, the first daughter that you had there was Piper, right? And you've had uh, four since, you have five children now, right? Yep. Um What's it like for you as a, as a father? You know, when you're, I always say when you're a single guy, you know, he, I know it, it was a grace for me to, to remain a Catholic and going to, to Mass every Sunday, but the faith really started to become very real to me when I got married. Then I realized I had the responsibility of taking care of my wife, uh, spiritually as well, because we were journeying to heaven together through the sacrament. But also when you have children, boy, that's a real wake up call, isn't it, Trent? Then all of a sudden you got these little kids that, uh, they need you of course to, uh, you know, to sustain their, their basic needs here on earth, but also on that journey towards heaven as well. It's a, it's a big responsibility, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a huge responsibility. And, Um, It's not easy, especially in today's world. Uh, Mm. But I I agree with you uh, exponentially. You know, it it became more important to the church when we got married and then when we started having children. And um, one of the, I guess, stories I I would say is, you know, as a kid myself, um, we always went to church, whether it was Saturday night or Sunday morning. Um, of course I played hockey so we would have out of town tournaments and I can re I mean I can remember I don't remember which city it was, but you'd go and you'd get the you'd have a game on a Friday afternoon or evening and then if you won you would go to the winners bracket, you might play these two times the next day. We would try to figure out whether we had to go to church Saturday night or Sunday morning um before the tournament was over and when we go home. So I mean I had that experience to draw on was even when these hockey tournaments going out of town we still went to church. I can remember going to church at home. We'd have, a, you know, Mass was on Sunday mornings at 8.30. I would have games at 10 o'clock in the morning. I can remember being in all my equipment except my skates, gloves, and help, uh in church uh, at 8.30. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to admit it, sometimes we'd leave right after communion because I had to be on the ice, and we had a 20-minute drive to get to the arena. So, I, I mean— right. I guess from that experience I I, I recalled back that you know what we need to go to church we want to go to church we brought our kids to church um, mm-hmm. it, it became important to us uh, my wife and I have grown together she's my best friend and uh, we, we we brought our children all the time and I love going to church now. people might roll their eyes but when we go to church now and hear all those kids it doesn't bother me one bit when I'm in church right. and I hear crying and talking and all that I just it just puts a smile on my face to hear him in church so if there's any parents out there that that may or may not go to church because they're worried about their young kids and crying I don't know you might get some old biddy in there that might not like it but I mean those kids bring them and put them in the church that's where they belong
0: yeah a quiet church is a dying church uh, I think is what yes. someone told me one time that makes a lot of sense and you know, for folks that maybe that does bother them when they have you know kids screaming. Well, remember, maybe one of them might uh, might become a priest someday. Might become a, a religious. You know, that's going to be praying for your soul and it's going to help you get uh, get through this uh, this temporal life and uh, cross that bridge to eternity. And you're going to need a priest and you're going to need the prayers of a uh, religious to help us with that. That they're they're a big part of our church. So uh, yep. maybe when that happens, remember remember that for sure. No, that's uh, that's great. You know, I think that that's an interesting point you make about Sunday and really making sure that we fulfill our obligation with love. And it's an opportunity too. I think you know when, when I hear that people go in the road like, oh, you know, I'm on vacation, or yeah, maybe I'm at a sports tournament or a dance festival, and oh, it just didn't work that we went to mass. It's like you know we missed mass on Sunday. It's like well, a that's not good because we know that that's that's a mortal sin if you if you skip mass, uh, you know, without a, a valid excuse, mostly illness or your child is sick or something like that. You got to confess that. But the church is so accommodating. That's why I tell people too, like it's, it's so easy to get to mass. You know, it's anytime, I think it's after four o'clock on Saturday, right yep. through the end of the day on Sunday, there's, there's a, a bigger window than even 24 hours. And praise God, we have at least in North America still, and we need to, to cultivate the a life here, the kingdom of Jesus on earth, uh, Trent, which you, you brought yep. up before too, we were building the kingdom so that we can have mass available to anybody at any time. We need more, more vocations and we need to, to make sure that our church is strong, but there's, there's really no reason for people not to go to masses and their trend. There's, there's so many opportunities.
1: No. And I travel all over the world right now and, and it's, you know, <laughs> there are some Protestant, uh, family and friends, uh, that I get into discussions with periodically and, I mean, I can go to church anywhere. Mm. I mean, I can go to church in Finland, Sweden, Czech Republic, Germany, Canada, Saskatoon. I mean, wherever, wherever I go, um, I mean, I can I can find a, a church to go to. So, I mean, yes. praise be to God for that.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And it's powerful even for, for young people, our kids, to see that too. I know even when we go on vacations or. Or we do have some sort of a weekend event that we go to. You go to a different Catholic church and you can see how other Catholics live in certain parts of of uh, Canada or other countries or wherever you go. It's it's neat to see that and realizing that there's uh, there's something real special, a special connection with people that are baptized. It's very hard to explain to people that aren't baptized, but that baptismal water means something in the spiritual life and it means something in our journey together as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ as well. So it's it's a great opportunity for even uh, for young and old to see the universality of our church and of course our readings are all the same right Trent so if you got a you got your uh you know one of those daily reading things that I think everybody should have where you get a hard yep. copy or on your phone doesn't yep. matter which church which mass you go to you can still follow it along so that's the difference uh, that's great. between
1: the US and Canada is I think there's just a different bible translation um that's go. one difference that I that I recognize so uh, which doesn't mean anything. It's just, sometimes it's just a different way of saying the same thing. Absolutely, well, for sure.
0: Uh, life with your family and your children are, are getting a little bit older too. We've already mentioned your oldest daughter and I think it'd be kind of neat for you to share what your what your daughter is doing right now. She uh, has a real special calling, a uh, vocation uh, from God, as we all do, but this one is a religious vocation. So maybe tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, she um I'm getting choked up. Uh hmm. Sister Piper is um uh, my oldest daughter, she's twenty she was born in ninety seven, she's twenty six. She'll be hmm. twenty seven in uh, April. Um she went to Franciscan University, uh drove her all the way there and um that's where she wanted to go to school. She got her four year degree as a social worker um and one of the neat things that franciscan does is they have a um, and i'm going to forget the name of the school they have a sister school that's about an hour an hour and a half drive from vienna austria and she did one semester of school over there and what they did when they were over there was they were able to travel around europe and she um she went into poland and uh, we, we, Before she graduated, we knew that she was starting to, to show or have signs of her inclination that, that she may have a, a calling. Um, and uh, long story short, um, she got her master's degree at Madonna University here in Michigan. And when that was all done, she was doing some research. So, And she went into the Servants of Jesus Christ by Mercy Center, which is uh, not far from our house, and um, yeah, she's discerning. Uh, she's been in for three years, um, and she's uh, she's loving every minute of it. Uh, and it's it's it, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and one of the most profound things that I can say that I've learned from it is incredible sacrifice that she's making for the kingdom because she's giving her whole life christ yes i can't even hardly give i don't even know how how to say it because i'm not trying to be funny and smart at the same time i just i can't it's like I can't give what she's giving, and it's just the most mm. unbelievable thing um, mm. that uh, and to see my daughter doing that—it's mm. mm-hmm. incredible. Just—it
0: really is, isn't it beautiful? Oh. uh We have a Carmelite monastery with uh, with nuns uh, that live um, a cloistered life, and you know, I just. Uh, <laughs> From the outside looking and even as Catholics, we can say, "Man, like you know, are, are they really truly happy there, right?" And of course, yeah. the 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 wisdom of the world, which is complete foolishness to those who are perishing, right? So the, yeah. the wisdom, or sorry, the the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are who are perishing. And of course, they say, "Well, what are they doing to these women here?" You know, like, you know, these priests, you kind of see them up and around the community. You know, see them at church. They're they're up and doing things, but a lot of religious sisters and nuns. Um, they're in a community. They're doing something a lot different. But boy, I'll tell you, I've met a lot of different, uh, well, I've, the, the Carmelite nuns is the example here in Archdiocese of Edmonton, but also other religious sisters. I've never got the impression that they were sad or depressed. They have so much joy in their face that uh, it really radiates from their soul, doesn't it, Trent? And I think that that is the gift. It's, a, again, another kind of the, the inconvenient truth that the world just can't answer is that uh, joy in in living a life of Christ, with Christ, living a sacramental life, and then living that life of sacrifice, um, giving up good things, you know, on on earth and living a secular life. You can do a lot of good in this world, but giving that up for something greater. And uh, these vocations to the religious uh, life are an example for us Catholics that there is something greater that we need to to aspire to, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, and she's, I mean, she's, uh, I mean, I know what she has, and she has nothing. Doesn't hardly have mm. anything, you know. And it's mm. it, and yet when I see her, you know, and I don't know what Bible verse it is because I, it it is not I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. And mm. she's so open to Him, and she's so joy filled every time I see her uh i know she's where she has been called mm. i know she's doing what he is wanting her to do um and again it just amazes me that in this world she can and has given up all of the material things that i can't seem to let go and it's just it's an incredible thing
0: oh well, that's for sure that's beautiful yeah, the example of, of uh, Catholics and, uh, and our brothers and sisters, we need to keep praying for more vocations like that and, and uh, praying that, that our young people are respond to those calls and uh, recognize the grace of living a sacramental life full-time for Jesus Christ. Uh, it's uh, it's a, a big task, but it's something that I think is very edifying for the rest of the church and, and very pleasing to our Lord. So, yeah, let's continue to pray for your daughter, Trent, and, and for all in religious life. Yeah. I do want to ask you too about uh, just the living, um, the married life, you know, with you and your wife, Kelly, you've got your family. What does that mean to have that family time as well? Uh, you know, we have this, this world where there's just so many distractions. There's so much going on, right? And not yep. all of it is intrinsically evil, but it does take us away from, from family life and, and really uh, focusing on our relationships, especially as men with our wives and also with our children as well. And uh, but most importantly with God. But yeah, how important is it for us, uh, especially us men, our fathers, to uh, make sure that they're present to their family, present to their wife, and and uh, leading their children and their and their wives onto eternal life through living a sacramental life and having devotion to Christ.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's such a powerful thing. Uh, there's so many different ways you could go with that question. I, I mean, I I just. I mean, one of the things that we always tried to do and uh, was to have a meal together as a family uh, every day. Maybe it wasn't with our china and it was just plastic uh, cups and forks and spoons because we were hurry up. We had to go and maybe it was at four o'clock in the afternoon because that's when it needed to be. But we always tried to, to have a meal together and, um, you know, Sunday's were our day to, I mean, we would go to church. Maybe that was the day we went out for breakfast. Um, We just, we tried to do things with our family. My wife and I wanted to be involved with our kids, wanted to be around our kids. Uh, We wanted to talk to our children and and be able to help them through life's um, struggles and life's, you know, as it's thrown at them. Um, My wife and I, she's, she's my best friend we've we've grown in our faith together and I mean there's uh I and mean, we pray the Rosary every day and I mean me on the road gone and we call her and we'll do it on the phone and I mean it's just everything it's it's and we've had our struggles too uh, you know i would, would say if it was if God wasn't at the center of our life I don't know what my family would look like It could we could all over the place, and I'm—I mean, praise be to God that He—that that that He is in the center uh, of all of our lives, because uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I can't do this on my own. I can't hardly get through a day, um, and I think we all kind of understand that. So, um, I think just for us, just acknowledging that that God is who He is, and understanding that that we are sinners and that we need a Savior, and, and okay, now that we know we've got problems, how do we fix it? Well, we can go to church, we can go to confession, um, and we can talk about things. So um I don't know if that answered your question or if I went down the wrong it's direction. Sure. No, it sure
0: does. I think there's something to be said, too, for right order in our lives, right? Having that um good, healthy, holy habits, because we know that the, the uh the habits of of vice and um immorality can can hit us uh, very easily they come to us a lot easier than it does uh living a virtuous and and life according to god's plan for us too you mentioned praying the rosary every day uh you know mentioned just having some time to to pray and to to speak to god i think that's really important especially for men we need order in our lives right when we start to kind of get off uh, kilter a little bit. I know like for me, like when I go on vacation or something like that, I think sometimes it's good to maybe sleep in a little bit, but then all of a sudden you kind of have some different, um, if your your time kind of changes, the time of your day and, and your routine changes, sometimes the the things that you were doing well in your spiritual life can kind of tend to slip a little bit. So I, I like to rely on my wife to help me with some of that as well when we're on vacation to make sure we're still, you know, reading the Bible, still having some prayer time and things like that. But uh, just yeah. as a small example, but you know, in this world, there's just so many things that are really uh, trying to get men, especially, away from from being the spiritual leaders of their home and in their communities, because we we really need more men to be stepping up uh, to to be uh, stepping into the breach. I believe is uh, uh, yeah. the retired Bishop Olmstead in uh, Arizona said a few years ago, and has a a great series through the Knights of Columbus online that people can can check out to really. Just encourage men to, to be those leaders in our world today. So, anything else that you can uh, that you've done, Trent, or anything that you've observed that you'd like to, to share with uh, men right now to um, yeah to just uh, live that uh, that life uh, that sacramental life and and live according to their vocation that God has given them.
1: Well, the the one thing I would like to to say to the men um, that are listening and uh, is uh, I think. The title of the book is Rediscover Catholicism. Might mm-hmm. be, I don't know why I throw that out there. But anyway, through one of my reversions, doing some study and all that, I, I, I came across, I think it's like 90% of children who see their father on his knees, mm-hmm. on church, on a Sunday, will stay active in the church once they move out of the house. Mm-hmm. And no yes. no disrespect to any of the mothers, but if father doesn't go to church and mom does and mom brings the kids every single Sunday to church, the numbers are astronomically the other direction. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. what I would challenge the men to do, and I shouldn't even throw numbers out there because I don't recall exactly what they were. Uh, so I, I, I think those I, numbers
0: are quite accurate, Trent. You're, you're yeah, right. I,
1: Forgive me yeah. if they're if they're not accurate but I guess I would just challenge the men um, that you know what to go to church it's it's I mean it's imperative that your children see you on your knees on a Sunday morning that's one of the uh, greatest things you could pass on to your 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 children um, and mm-hmm. I've been you know in, in I've been part of you know, men's groups and all that. And, and, you know, it's amazing to me that if you can get a bunch of men together, maybe it's difficult one-on-one, but I find when you get, when you get a bunch of men together, it's easier to talk about it. We had um, Mm -hmm. theology on taps and um, some different things that, that I got involved in as, as I was going through my reawakening. And, you know, it's, there are men out there that want to talk about it. It's just difficult because a lot of times men don't know a lot about what they want to talk about, if that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. I just think perseverance, just don't be so afraid to, first of all, talk to your wife about it and have a conversation with her and, and grow in the faith that way. And then don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to go to church, bring your kids, let them see you on your knees and, and just, be in a community with with other men.
0: Mhm. That's so important. Yeah, and and when you feel like you're by yourself in any kind of situation, uh, it feels like you're you're really powerless, but when you have a couple couple people with you, especially guys, a couple men with you, that can make a big difference in your spiritual life. So I think that's that's fantastic. And I know that you, you still have a great love for hockey and and the the game uh sports in general, but hockey in particular just because of your uh, long life dedicated to it, but I know a lot of uh, a lot of men like to coach not only their kids but they want to get into coaching and helping the community as well. Um, what kind of advice can you give to to uh, guys and, and for and ladies as well that that want to coach that uh, that go beyond teaching the the uh, the basics of what respective game that they they coach? But uh, what are some tools or some tips that you can give to maybe if people aren't necessarily uh, you know real uh, straightforward with their Catholicism and their faith in Christ but just by not only by their actions but some of the virtues that they teach that kids and parents can both see from afar that even if you're not explicitly saying that you're a Catholic or a believer in Christ they're like yeah there's something a little bit different about this this uh this man or this woman here that's coaching my kids there's something that uh, uh, goes beyond the game itself but also uh, away from from the the playing field or the playing ice and and into real life the the lessons that truly matter. What would you say to those coaches?
1: Well, I did a little bit of coaching myself here, uh, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Um, and I also coached uh, many of my kids as they were in younger levels. Um, and I think, uh, you know, for me personally, I had somebody tell me one point in time that's, kids how does the saying go they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care yes Mm -hmm. and uh somebody brought that to my attention very early uh after i retired when i was kind of involved in coaching and it, 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 it never left me i always remembered that um because what does it really matter if I played in the NHL? I mean, if I can't explain it to the kids, if I can't teach them, if we Mm -hmm. can't have fun, I can't stand behind the bench and yell and scream and and expect kids to understand. So um, that was just one that I would say to any man or woman that's coaching is, is you're older, you're the one in charge, you're the ultimate leader of the team. Um, They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, So that would Mm -hmm. be the first thing I know. When I did coach, my wife and I had gone through uh, Theology of the Body uh, Institute, mm-hmm. taking a couple of uh, courses, uh, week-long immersion courses. And my wife, believe it or not, she was, uh, you know, a lot of my pregame speeches and and all that type of stuff was done with her the night before. And what do you think about this and what do you think about that? Well, one of the things that I that we we decided to do was, was to, you know, was to teach the kids, you know, what love is right and Mm -hmm. without going in great depth you know it's been thrown out there proposed it is that you know love is to will the good of the other so i took that approach to the to the guys and i told them what the definition of love was i told them that you know there's different words that uh in the greek language blah 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 and i really focused on will the good of the other. So here I am as a coach. I'm trying to help you and I really want to help you because I just want you to be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. You know? And so any correction, if there is a correction that needs to be needed and, and maybe here it is on video and maybe you should do X instead of doing Y, I'm not telling you that because you're bad. Mm-hmm. I'm telling teaching you that because I care. I want you be the best i love you because i will your good i'm telling you this for you so um i i don't know if it's gonna work for most people and i'm not saying it even really worked for me but that was kind of the approach i took and it allowed me to um i think you'd have to ask the players that i coach maybe they would tell you something different but i think it was a way for me to um explain the game and try to teach them uh with a perspective of them understanding where i'm coming from rather than because i hated it i had coaches that stood behind me and screamed and yelled and told me where to go and how to get there and i mean that just it goes in one ear and out the other works for a little while i I just i didn't want to be that guy i i I didn't i don't want to be that i wanted to, to make a difference and you know let's face it uh you know a lot of times, these kids aren't going to play past high school. They're not going to play past junior. And I thought, you know, each of them maybe what the definition of love is. I mean, who knows if if they remember that 15 years from now, and they're married, and they can use that in their marriage. Praise be to God for that. So, um, mm. those couple things that I I guess I would just maybe throw out there is. Um, something people can use to to help
0: coach. Yeah, when we're coaching, we we want to coach champions on and off the field. I mean, you know, if we see, uh, you know, just the wrong, uh, you know, positioning on the ice or if you're coaching baseball, how to hold the bat properly, just doing the basics, you're going to tell your players that if you're a coach, that's what you're there for, right? That's your job. But also, you know, making sure that it's it's not a toxic culture on the bench, uh, you know, in the in the, the dugout or anything like that. Like we want to make sure we have a, uh, a culture of, like I said, of learning and in virtue and, and uh, really sticking together with each other so that we can uh, take some of these virtuous lessons that hopefully we can teach as coaches and they can take them outside of uh, the playing field uh, to their families, to their friends, and then, and then uh, right on throughout uh, the rest of their lives. Well, try, this has been an absolute, uh, just a blessing and a treat to, to chat with you and get a lot of your thoughts here on, on uh, sports, but also most importantly, our, our journey to heaven. And it's uh, not an easy journey, but we got a lot of brothers and sisters that are trying their best to, to build the kingdom. And we appreciate the words that you've shared with us here. So, uh, so thanks again for your time. And I hope we can uh, stay in touch.
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, Anytime. I I enjoyed it. Uh, I listened to your podcast, have been for a little while. So uh, um, thank you. It's, it's, I, I learn a lot. So, thank you for doing what you do. Really appreciate it. And um, maybe someday down the road, I'll be in Edmonton and we can go have coffee together.
0: Oh, praise God. No, I appreciate that. Everything that uh, that's good comes from God. So, I, I appreciate that so much, Trent. Thank you. Well, so many great insights on sports and coaching and family life and the spiritual life. And how powerful was that when Trent started talking about his daughter and her commitment to give her life to the Lord? In the religious life. So let's continue to pray for vocations, not only to uh, marriage, so that we can have strong families, strong moms and dads with uh, a stable home for children to grow and thrive in, but also let's pray for an increase in religious vocations to the priesthood and to the religious life. That is really the heartbeat of the Catholic Church's strong vocation. So, yeah, let's continue to pray for that. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Canuck podcast, everyone. Follow us on X and on Facebook, and listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I really do appreciate you reaching out to me and saying hello anytime. Uh, There's so many amazing things that are happening in the church today. You know, sometimes we get focused on the negative, things that we can't control. I love hearing stories from people, just regular people in all different walks of life. It's kind of like in the secular world, us Catholics, we really walk among them, don't we? And it's always nice to be a little bit more visible so that other Catholics who are journeying to eternal life thinking, oh man, maybe we're by ourselves in this particular uh, job that I have or this particular vocation. I assure you there's a lot of Catholics and a lot of other good people of goodwill that are walking towards Jesus and the truth, whether they know it or not sometimes, but they are walking towards the truth. So let's unite together let's be real upfront about our beliefs as best we can so that we can share that with others and share that journey with others so that we know that we're not alone and of course I still love throwing out the invitation to our non-catholic listeners thank you for listening if you're not a catholic what's holding you back from joining our church what a beautiful gift it is to have the sacraments in your life to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I assure you, your life will never be the same again. So let's continue to pray for each other there. And of course, Catholics, we know what we've got to do to be beacons of light in this fallen world. We need to bring Jesus into our lives and then share him with others and be so generous about what we receive because we receive so many graces. Everything that is good in this world comes from the Holy Mass, from the Holy Eucharist. So let's not hide our light under a bushel like it says in Scripture. Let's be a beacon of light to others. And Catholics, you know what we've got to do. We've got to go to confession often so we can live life in a state of grace at all times. Don't wait a year. Don't wait two years. uh, Don't do any of that. Even if you don't have a mortal sin on your soul, you can go to confession often. Even confess those venial sins. Even sins of omission. Those are all things that, uh, you know, it's kind of like death by a thousand cuts. A lot of venial sins, they'll eventually lead us to mortal sin and take us, uh, cut us off from the grace that Christ wants to give us. So at the very minimum, we've got to go at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. I'll chat with you very soon.